Happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. Welcome in to the Monday, y'all, with your host, John Rawl, bringing plenty of thanks to all of you, we hope, and we sure appreciate all the great things that you have done for our show here in 2018, our debut year of the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent. On today's show, we have headlines from across the region. We have hashtag Hullabaloo coming up in the next segment. Some fun stuff there, some historic stuff coming your way on today's Y'all Show. We also want to tell you a little bit about Southern business happenings, and specifically with Thanksgiving coming Thursday, this is the time of year where people hit the road in force, and we've got some numbers that is very good for the economy coming your way in our Y'all Business Report, our Y'all Street Business Report, at the end of Hour 1 on today's program. Moving into Hour 2, stick around for a great Information is we'll have a rewind of the weekend in college football and NFL as well, plus NASCAR crowned a champ on Sunday. So we've got our sports rewind coming up at the start of hour two. And then the teller of tales via Takapola, Jerry Short, will be dropping by with a report on serving in the military as well as his background in the woods as a forester and what that means in terms of the terrible tragedy that we're seeing in California play out with the fires all over Northern California and some in Southern California. Deadly fires, death toll in the 70s, probably going to get higher than that. A lot of people missing, just an unfortunate situation. And Jerry, who worked for a long time as a forester, he's going to share his knowledge of control burns and how that could have been a thing that could have helped in the situation in California. It certainly come into play in the South with our enormous amount of woods that we have and forests. And so they have restrictions in California. And Jerry will talk about that and how we hope that everything will turn out as good as it can. But right now, a disaster in the state of California in terms of the wildfire. So we'll have all that coming up in hour two. If you want to reach us here, on the Y'all Show, our number is 803-816-1170, and our web address is y'all.com. Email is y'allshow at y'all.com. We'd love to hear from you. Starting our look around the Southland, Bill Nelson has now conceded the Florida Senate race to Rick Scott after a manual recount concluded over the weekend. And Rick Scott, governor of the state of Florida, will move on to Washington, D.C. and represent the Sunshine State According to the Florida Secretary of State's office, Scott led Nelson by approximately 10,000 votes after the state's 67 counties completed machine annual and manual recounts over the weekend. Nelson, who served three terms in the Senate, met his match in Scott, who launched a competitive campaign for Florida votes. And the two-term governor of Florida said Nelson called him to graciously concede and that Scott, in turn, thanked Nelson for his years of service. Scott has won narrow victories in three statewide races since the year 2010. President Trump sent a tweet out from day one. Rick Scott never wavered. He was a great governor and will even be a greater senator in representing the people of Florida. Congratulations to Rick on having waged such a courageous and successful campaign. But Nelson out as senator in Florida after serving several terms and trying to put up a fight on the recount, especially in Broward County, but it goes to no good for the senator, and now Rick Scott moves on to D.C. to represent Florida. 
Other news from the political side, speaking of Florida, President Trump has said that the Attorney General of Florida right now, Pam Bondi, he would love to have her join his administration. He made the comment Saturday on his departure from the White House to a trip to witness the California wildfire damage. And there's been speculation that Trump might consider her to replace the recently ousted Jeff Sessions as U.S. Attorney General. But the president has not said that. Bondi was an early supporter of President Trump's campaign, and her term as Attorney General ends in January. Trump said he would consider Bondi for anything and that she's doing a good job in Florida, and he'd love to have her working for him. Bondi has not said what she plans to do when she leaves office. She has not immediately, she's not responded to questions about what the president said. But those two, I know, have been out before across the state of Florida and look for her to have some kind of role, perhaps, in the Trump administration in 2019. Pam Bondi. Now, sad news from North Carolina is a teacher from that state has been killed by a Mexican drug dealer. Patrick Braxton Andrew, a 34-year-old, went missing, and it turns out that in the Mexican state of Chihuahua, the governor there has confirmed on Facebook that a drug dealer indeed killed the North Carolina teacher. He was last seen on October 28th near the village of Eureka in the Mexican state of Chihuahua, and a website, a Facebook page, was created to help in the search, but it was noted that he died at the hands of a criminal organization that operates in the area where he was traveling. And the governor confirmed the teacher's death, writing that a drug dealer identified as Jose Noriel Iran Gill had killed him. He was a Spanish teacher at Woodlawn Middle School in Mooresville, North Carolina. His body has yet to be recovered from Mexico, but this man dying down in Mexico, this North Carolina teacher, at the hands of a drug lord, drug bad guy there in Mexico. Back to politics, and Kamala Harris was in the state of Mississippi over the weekend as she came to campaign on behalf of Democrat Mike Espy, who is in the special runoff for U.S. Senate in the Magnolia State. That election coming up soon between Espy and Republican Cindy Smith, the current U.S. Senator, filling in the seat for Thad Cochran. And Espy had the support of the California Senator in the state of Mississippi. Cory Booker from New Jersey is in Mississippi today helping campaign for Mike Espy. President Donald Trump plans to hold a pair of rallies for Smith the day before the runoff. I know he's supposed to go to Biloxi, Mississippi for a rally there. The runoff is Tuesday, November 27th in Mississippi for U.S. Senate between Cindy Smith and Mike Espy. Of course, Smith's been in the news for some of the ridiculous things that she said where she didn't think she was being filmed but she said things like being on the front row of a hanging and then she talked about suppressing the vote i'm not sure that she's going to prevail in this race i really feel like that true diehard republican conservatives in mississippi were really okay with chris mcdaniel but then president trump waged his opinion on it and supported smith so people on the fence decided to go full throat for Cindy Smith, and she and Espy are now in the runoff. Now she's made these ridiculous comments. You know that the minority vote will be galvanized to support a minority in Espy. I don't think the white majority of Mississippi will be that anxious to go out to the vote, vote voting booth come November 27th. And I predict this is going to be a very close race, and Espy may even prevail. And if that happens, guess what, Mississippi, if you're a conservative, that's okay. 
because Cindy Smith needed to learn a lesson, and so did Donald Trump, so did the governor, Phil Bryan of Mississippi. And that message would be, get a better candidate to serve as a U.S. senator. This was a woman who had been a Democrat. This is a woman who, I've been told, voted for Hillary Clinton twice, probably voted for Obama. And here she is, a Republican U.S. senator. That was not a good choice of Phil Bryant to have her as senator. Now, she may win, and if that ends up happening, happening great. But I'm, I'm telling you, as a worst-case scenario, as a conservative Republican, if she does lose to Espy. Espy is a Clinton-era Democrat. Bill Clinton, that is. He's, 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 I would say, not a true liberal. He's just a Democrat. And so if he does win, I feel like it's only a two-year term, and Republicans in two years will be able to get a much better candidate to go up against him for a full six-year term in that Senate seat. So it will not be the worst of days. Plus, the other thing is the Republicans already hold the majority of the Senate. And so, yes, it would be a little bit embarrassing to lose another Senate seat in the Deep South. Alabama lost one to Doug Jones. And here, Espy has a real chance to win this in Mississippi. I really feel like if President Trump had not weighed in on this Senate race, choosing sides, choosing Cindy Smith over Chris McDaniel even, that there was a very good chance that Smith and McDaniel would have been the two people in the guerrilla runoff, and Espy would have finished third, and so it would have been a runoff between which conservative Republican, supposedly conservative, I say that in Smith's case, would be chosen winner. That is, if they didn't get to 50%. If you got 50, you don't have to have a runoff. But like I said, Espy's got a good chance of winning the seat, and so if you're a Democrat, you could pick up a seat in a place like Mississippi. That's big news. But if if it does happen, Republicans, it's not the end of the end of the day. This is only a two-year term, and I think it needs to be a lesson learned, especially from people like Phil Bryant, who chose her. She was an agriculture secretary in the state of Mississippi prior to being chosen to be the interim senator, and they need to have better choices. There was no reason to go with her if she ends up losing. A lot of questions and finger-pointing will happen. Now, in Virginia, this is on the Republican side, there will be no recount for a Virginia Republican primary where the guy lost by, get this, one vote. And they'll not have a recount for the Virginia Republican in the Roanoke area running in this legislative district, the 24th State House District in Virginia candidate Jimmy Ayers called for a recount after initial results show him losing to rival Ronnie Campbell by one vote with more than 2,000 votes cast. See, that's why voting matters. Just one vote difference here. And this, is, again, is a primary. They're not going to have a recount. And it looks like Ronnie Campbell will escape with a win in the Old Dominion. Some passages on the law enforcement front we want to tell you about. And sadly, officials in Clanton, Alabama, have released the name of the pilot of a Georgia police helicopter that crashed into a lake there. News outlets reported that 53-year-old David Hall of the Columbus, Georgia Police Department was flying a helicopter used by a two-state narcotics task force. The chopper was being flown to Clanton for maintenance when it came down in Lake Mitchell in Chilton County after apparently hitting a power line. Friday afternoon, the coroner's office said the bodies of Hall and a 22-year-old male were recovered from the water Sunday afternoon. The passenger's name has yet to be released. Columbus Mayor Teresa Tomlinson said Hall joined the Columbus Police Force 
back in 1990 and served 28 years before retiring earlier this year, but he still flew the helicopter for the Columbus, Georgia Police Department, but that officer dying in a crash near Clanton, Alabama. Now to the state of Louisiana and a police officer in Slidell who was injured in an off-duty accident in September has died. The Slidell Police Department says that motorcycle officer Jason Seals died early Saturday as a result of the September accident. He was injured in as he participated in a funeral escort back in September. Police said he struck a vehicle that unexpectedly pulled in front of him. He was thrown from his motorcycle and landed at least 50 feet away and was hospitalized for a few months. But unfortunately, Jason Seals died Saturday from the injuries resulting from his accident back in September. Another passage, not from law enforcement, but from the Paul Feinbaum show. As regular caller Tammy, Auburn superfan Tammy, I should say, died in a horrific crash on US 280 between Sylacauga and Childersburg, Alabama. Now, if you ever listen to Paul Feinbaum or see his show on TV, she regularly called in, fired up for the Auburn Tigers, and she called herself a full-time granny. She was 52-year-old Tammy Renee Bullard, and not only was she killed, but her three-year-old granddaughter died in this crash early Friday in the Sylacauga area. According to an Alabama state trooper, the driver of a commercial vehicle carrying some kind of explosive material was traveling eastbound on 280, when he possibly blew a tire and the truck overturned on its side, it then veered into oncoming traffic in the westbound lane and collided with an SUV carrying Tammy and her grandchild. Both were confirmed dead. Just a horrendous scene there on 280. But Auburn superfan Tammy Renee Bullard dead at the age of 52 after a car crash, as well as her three-year-old granddaughter dying there. Not far from Auburn. Terrible thing there. And... Honestly, I don't listen to the Paul Feinbaum show all that much, but she was one of the real fun parts of that show. It will not be the same without Tammy calling up in support of the Auburn Tigers. War Eagle to you, Tammy. The list of U.S. students named as Rhodes Scholars for 2019 has been announced, and several have Southern University connections. From the University of Kentucky, Abdil Abala has been named a Rhodes Scholar. Baltimore, Maryland's John Hopkins University has Aliyah Azir as a Rhodes Scholar. Huntsville, Alabama native James W. Brom, a cadet at the U.S. Air Force Academy, named a Rhodes Scholar. Oxford, Mississippi native and a student at the University of Mississippi, Makila Brasic, named a Rhodes Scholar. Robstown, Texas native Christina Carrera, a student at Stanford University in California, named a Rhodes Scholar. And we also have... From Florence, South Carolina, a student at Princeton University, John Hoffmeyer, named a Rhodes Scholar. From San Antonio, Texas, Austin T. Hughes, a student at the University of Iowa. Houston, Texas native and a student at Duke University in Durham, Kushal Kadikea, named a Rhodes Scholar. A Chapel Hill, North Carolina native, Ariel Cantor, a student at Duke University, a Rhodes Scholar. Congratulations. And are there any more Southerners? Yes, from Laurel, Maryland, Leah Petros, a student at the University of Pittsburgh. Also from Maryland, from Arnold, Maryland, Catherine H. Reed, a student at Princeton. From Normandy, Tennessee, a student at the University of Tennessee, Grant H. Rigney, named a Rhodes Scholar. And let's see, anything else here Southern we got to pass along? Yes, one more from Napierville, Illinois, a native there, but a student at the University of Miami in Coral Gables, 
Christina Yao named a Rhodes Scholar. So, and again, a list of students, 32 American students have in total chosen as Rhodes Scholars for 2019. And as we just read off, about half of those from Dixie or have a Dixie connection. Great job there all. Did much better in school than I did, but I'm not done. Maybe I'll go back and get a second degree or third degree or fourth degree. And maybe you will too. <laughs> See, they have nothing on us. Now to the world of food and why you need to make sure you prepare food correctly. Health officials say a Brunswick stew in North Carolina has caused about 300 people to get sick at a church event. The Charlotte Observer reports that bacteria poisoned people at a barbecue held earlier this month at Poplar Tent Presbyterian Church. Health officials said cultures taken from the stew showed the presence of C. pepharogens bacteria, which is a common cause of food poisoning and infection. By the way, Brunswick stew, in case you're not familiar, is a spicy southern concoction that can include chicken, pork, or small game with corn, tomatoes, lima beans, okra, onions, and potatoes. And I know it's a big deal in parts of North Carolina, but unfortunately there at that Presbyterian church in North Carolina, popular tent, a lot of people got sick as a result of their Brunswick stew. Still worth a shot, though, if it's cooked correctly. It's a great, great southern concoction. How about some history for you here on a Monday? Soldiers from Fort Knox near Louisville, Kentucky, will pay tribute to Kentucky Native President Zachary Taylor at a wreath-laying ceremony. The Army post there at Fort, Fort Knox says the ceremony at the Zachary Taylor National Cemetery will be at 11 a.m. Fort Knox says that each year the U.S. military puts a wreath at the gravesite of each deceased former president on the anniversary of their births. Officials say Brigadier General Stephen Rutner will host the ceremony on Wednesday, and an honor guard from his unit will assist with the wreath laying, and the public is invited to the ceremony. Zachary Taylor was our country's 12th president, and he grew up in Louisville before joining the Army in 1808. Zachary Taylor was sworn into office as U.S. president in 1849, but only served for 16 months before he died in office in the year 1850. And looking a little bit more up against uh, about this Southern president, he was born in Barbersville, Virginia in 1784 and again lived until the year 1850 where he died at age 65 at the White House and just was a guy who kind of went from being in the military, was a part of the Whig Party, and then went on to win the 1848 presidential election he was preceded in the White House by James K. Polk, a Tennessean who was born in North Carolina, but ended up being a strong president during the war with Mexico in the late 1840s. And then Zachary Taylor comes into the office as the 12th president in 1849, ended up dying in office. He had six children, Zachary Taylor. One of those was the wife of Jefferson Davis, the one and only president of the Confederate States of America. And she died after a couple months of being married to Jefferson Davis. But Confederate President Jefferson Davis, Zachary Taylor, was his father-in-law. How about that? Another connection to the Confederacy with Zachary Taylor was Richard Scott Taylor. Richard Scott Taylor was a Confederate Army general, and he was one of the children of Zachary Taylor. And he was a very good general, by the way, Richard Taylor. And I think he was called the Prince of the Confederacy or something like that was his nickname. But Zachary Taylor, dying in office. And who succeeded him in president? Do you know your American history? It would have been Millard Fillmore. Millard Fillmore 
was our country's 13th president and may have been the first president to take over after a sitting president died in office. I think I'm right on that. He was a native New Yorker and lived all the way until 1874. But yeah, he took over after Zachary Taylor died in office. How about that? More history for you here on a Monday. The 200-year-old Beaufort, South Carolina plantation home that kind of came up with the, where the plan to come up with secession was first hatched, well, it's for sale. And this goes back to the early 1800s when the idea at Edmund Rhett's house to secede from the Union happened. This home actually has some writing scribbled on a basement wall that's dated August 4th, 1862. And it's known in Beaufort as the Milton Maxey House or Secession House. And the note from 1862 says, quote, This is Edmund Rhett's house. He had 42 field hands and 12 horses. In this house, the first meeting in favor of secession was held 1851. And that home ended up being occupied by Union soldiers and just has a large history footprint there in the low country of South Carolina. And the home is now back up on the auction block. It's being sold. And it's listed at $2.4 million with Berkshire Hathaway Bay Street Realty. And it's a four-bedroom, three-bath house originally built in 1810 by Milton Maxey as a school for boys. And read a South Carolina state representative, lawyer, and planner from Beaufort, bought and renovated the house into its current style during the 1850s. And he was an outspoken champion of states' rights and Southern nationalism. So the home where secession was first bandied about up for sale, and if you got a couple million dollars, perhaps you might be interested in purchasing it there. <laughs> and what a wonderful place, Beaufort, South Carolina. The Dallas, Texas Independent School District is going to serve meals during Thanksgiving week. And yes, although school is out right now, that doesn't mean they won't continue to help students. The school district will offer students meals during part of its week-long break. It will serve a morning snack from 8 to 9 and a lunch from 11 to 12 Monday through Wednesday before closing Thursday and Friday. Menus include muffins, yogurt, and fruit for breakfast, and cheeseburgers, chicken nuggets, and tamales for lunch. Tamales in school. That is one thing I can assure you I never had ever. I like tamales, but that just shows you a little bit about maybe the the demographics and such of Texas, or maybe they serve tamales all over the country. I doubt it, but they're in Texas giving meals away this week in school. Now, isn't that a little bit ridiculous that they have to go to school when they don't have to, to get to serve food? Their parents don't have the means to provide them a meal while they're out of school. Isn't that either ridiculous on the parents' part, or is it ridiculous on the school for even offering such an option? Somebody's got to pay for it, and I can assure you it's taxpayer money going to fund these Thanksgiving meals at the Dallas Independent School District in Dallas, Texas. Perhaps this is common everywhere else. Of course, I don't like to hear people being not have, having food as an option. But come on, if you're going to be a parent, it's your responsibility to feed a child, and you've got to have the money to pay for the kid. I will give a lot of churches credit during this holiday season. A lot of churches go overboard across the southeast, across the country, and help those in need during the Thanksgiving break, Thanksgiving holidays. So kudos to all of you around the south who are part of that effort. And finally, back to our D-U-M-M candidate. Video now shows a Florida burglar taking a vending machine for a ride in an elevator. This happened in Miami, and police are looking for a burglar who was caught on camera pushing a large vending machine into 
the elevator of a 20-story apartment building, and it was all caught on camera. Police released the video showing the thief struggling to push the machine into the nearby elevator, and a security guard went to investigate after hearing some noise and discovered it had been taken from the first floor all the way up to the eighth floor. Golly, this person was determined to get that vending machine. I wonder what was in there. Don't tell me it was a vending machine of cigarettes. Now, it could have been. I don't know what was in there. It looks like it might have been snacks, which, hey, I don't think pushing that machine is worth the effort. But but who, uh, who am I to say? Police described the suspect as a man in his 50s or 60s with gray facial hair. He was wearing a dark-colored baseball cap, turquoise shirt, and jeans with shorts and black socks and sandals on. And this roughly 60-year-old man pushing this huge vending machine, trying to get it on the elevator. Don't know what he's going to do with it, but he was determined there in Miami, Florida. But he's still, regardless, a dummy, a D-U-M-M Southerner. When we come back on the Y'all Show, hashtag Hullabaloo's coming your way. We have some fun stuff, as we always do, here on this Monday edition of the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Talk with a Southern accent. When I have a cold sore, I want something that works. Purpose and L penetrates deep to treat your cold sore. And it's enriched with lysine, vitamins, and lemon balm for soothing relief. But even when I don't have a cold sore, I still want something that protects against a flare-up. Purpose and L protects against certain triggers caused by the sun and cold, including flare-ups from sun damage with its added SPF 30 protection. So it treats and protects. Works for me. And me too. Purpose and L works when you have a cold sore, works when you don't. Uses directed. Friday starts now. Get 60% off everything and 50% off clearance styles at Gap Factory. Plus, don't miss logo favorites from $9.99 and sweaters from $14.99. Save big at Gap Factory. And at Banana Republic Factory, save big with 60% off everything, including clearance. Stock up on cozy sweaters from $19.99 and outerwear from $39.99. Black Friday deals start now, only at Banana Republic Factory. Search our store locator for your nearest Gap Factory and Banana Republic Factory store or shop us online. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. <sighs> Moving expenses. <sighs> There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. Back we are. This is the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern Accent with your host, John Rawl. And an early happy Thanksgiving to you. We've got some info on traveling for Thanksgiving coming up in our next segment during our Y'all Street Business Report. You don't want to miss that, all that ahead, as well as hour two 
We've got Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Dr. Polo, coming by for his filing. So all of that ahead. Don't miss it. Now on the Y'all Show, you hear the music. It's hashtag hullabaloo time, y'all. <laughs> we got to look at what's going on in the South and what all, all y'all are saying on social media and beyond. And our first tweet that we discover comes from McNabb Properties at McNabb Props on Twitter. And this tweet says, The beauty of living in a small mountain town that is two hours from the major southeastern cities, experiencing amazing exhibits such as this with your family. And McNabb Properties has pictures of what looks like an art gallery and beautiful photos and such. And so I had to do some research. And McNabb Properties is out of Murphy, North Carolina, in the extreme far west of North Carolina, not far from where Tennessee, Georgia, and North Carolina all come together. Not all that far from Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's where Murphy, North Carolina is. Beautiful place right there, smack dab on, I think it's US 64, in a lovely spot in North Carolina. But Murphy is not all that far from Atlanta, Georgia. You can get on the road, go through... I guess it's Blairsville and end up in Atlanta in about two hours. In fact, that's considered, I think, the Atlanta TV market through there, Western North Carolina, this part of Western North Carolina at least. And it looks like that McNabb Properties went to the High Museum of Art in Atlanta. So if you love art and appreciate art, this is a lovely place. And they have an exhibit going on right now. It just started. It's going to last for a couple of weeks. So go to the website for High Museum of Art to learn more about the, forgive me, I'm not very good at Japanese, but this is the Yayao Kosama Infinity Mirrors Art Expo going on at the High Museum of Art. Now this is an exhibit that literally goes around the world and it's very rare for it to be in the United States. And it's not only in the U.S., it's in Atlanta right now. So if you are a lover of art, go see the Kusama Art Infinity Mirrors display going on. K-U-S-A-M-A. And I know I did not take art appreciation in school, so therefore, if I'm destroying the name, please forgive me. But it looks like it's a big deal. I've seen where it was been in China recently, and it was in Europe. Now it's in Atlanta. And a great opportunity for you to appreciate art if you go check out this exhibit at the High Museum of Art in Atlanta. And we appreciate McNabb Properties for letting everybody know but it's out there. Now to Charles Haven on Twitter. At JC Haven is the Twitter account for Mr. Haven. And he's a connoisseur of Pink Floyd technology with a hint of politics. Days are spent working in IT. Nights are spent wondering why. <laughs> Forever seeking balance. I like that. Charles, you got a pretty good sense of humor. And with that sense of humor comes this tweet from Charles Haven. How many crockpots do you have? Like any good Southerner, I have four. Hashtag Southern. Hashtag food. Charles, I think that's a little overkill, crockpots. Now, I know they are a great invention. I know they can really help out for those professionals. You can stick something in the crockpot before you walk out the door to go to work in the morning. You can come back at night, and it's nice and ready and delicious for you. My sweet second mother, I called her. She was all about me using Crock-Pot when I was off on my own working in Tennessee in Nashville 20 years ago. She was all about it. I think she gave me a Crock-Pot. And HP, thank you for that. I know you've been gone for 
uh, 10 years now, but I love you for that. And I love even more the nagging you brought toward me to, to use that crock pot. But yeah, it's a great thing, crock pots. Now, having four, I don't know how Charles Haven, I don't know how you do it. But maybe that's something that you are comfortable with your crock pottedness. I need to become more more comfy with my crock pottedness nature. But four, yeah, that's that's probably a little bit more. But whoever makes crock pots really appreciates your support, Charles. So thank you. Thank you so much. Now, let's get into some reality TV talk. Can y'all stomach that here on a Monday of the Y'all Show? I, I may be butchering this name, too, and I apologize, but this is a South Carolinian who grew up in Maryland, in Cumberland, Maryland, to be exact, Angela Amesquai. Amasqua? Angela Amesquai. I'm sorry, Angela. I, I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. However, your Twitter account is A-N-G-K-A-Y-7. I can pronounce that. And Angela is somewhat famous. She's a model. She calls herself the luckiest Ann in the world, and she's shooting for the stars. And she put a tweet out this week that says, I secretly love that Clay Harbs82 now says y'all all the time. I'm rubbing off on him. He, he, hashtag Southern. Well, I had to look up who Clay Harbor is. Clay Harbor played college football for the Missouri State Bears and was in the NFL as recently as last year. As a tight end, played for a bunch of different teams. And then he went on to be on The Bachelorette. So perhaps you know who Clay Harbor is from his days on reality television. Well, it turns out that Angela was also on reality television. She was on a show called Bachelor in Paradise. And she actually has kind of a hosting role on that show. And an article in Us Weekly in October outlines their romance and that the article actually said they might be moving in together. Shame, shame. <laughs> but yeah, these two are lovebirds, evidently. And she has having an influence on Clay Harbor, former NFL stud now, kind of on reality television and such. And grew up, I think, in Illinois is where he's from. So maybe y'all is his, not his natural tongue. But we're working on it. Speaking of natural tongue, I found this GIF on social media, and I've got to share it with you. It's Southern Translations is the title of this, and it's got a bunch of different names with the translation for them. So are you ready to get the info from Southern Translations? Y'all, the translation of y'all, two or more people. All y'all, three or more people. Might could, that translates to might be able to. I reckon that translates to, I guess, fixin' to. That translates to, I'm going to. Yonder, over there somewhere. And finally, bless your heart. And the translation for that is, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you're an idiot. <laughs> Amen to that. Isn't that a great one, though? Bless your heart. I know that gets overused by some, but yeah, that's that's some good stuff here on them. On a Monday, y'all show, and we are glad to share that. Finally, we want to have one more tweet coming from the NPR of all places, National Public Radio. They sent a tweet out last week that got a little confusing to me that this would even be put out there in today's world, uh, especially in Texas, where we've been reading and telling you stories about how they're revising the books and the education for Texas. But according to NPR from last week, Texas's social studies standards listed three causes for the Civil War, sectionalism, 
states' rights, and slavery in that order. And beginning next school year, Texas students will be taught that slavery played, quote, a central role. Well, you know what, NPR? I actually agree with all of that. Slavery was a key role, but it wasn't the only role. And sure enough, yes, sectionalism, states' rights, which had been an issue going on for decades prior to the start of the Civil War, were all put on display, sadly, in a bloody conflict that lasted four years and took so many lives, American lives, both North and South, and NPR now letting people know that Texas students will soon learn slavery played a central role in the Civil War, but not the only role. And that is that is accurate. That is historically accurate. I don't care who you are. Yeah, I'm not stupid. I know it was a big role, but it wasn't the only role. There were problems, lingering questions after our great independence from Great Britain about the role of states versus the federal government. And frankly, I think the Civil War, in a way, was a loss from a standpoint of states' rights. Now everything goes to Washington first, where before that time, the states had a little bit more sovereignty. And now that sovereignty is often a joke in a lot of cases. Not always. Not always. That's why abortion, for example, really should be decided by states and not the federal government. You're going to have most of the South be against abortion, but you're going to have many northern states where abortion is perfectly fine. And according to the traditionalists of the Constitution, that's the way it was meant to be. We're not going to always agree. Our main role as a federal government is for the protection of all of the states, but not into waging on court cases like Roe v. Wade. So that's the feeling there. And and that uh, story coming alive here with NPR talking about Civil War and how it will be relayed to students in the Lone Star State. Texas, by the way, the number three state to secede from the Union in 1861. First came South Carolina, then came Mississippi, and then Texas was right behind them at number three. How about that? Very much pro-secession in Texas in 1861. And a lot of Texans fought in the Civil War for the Confederacy. Now, some fought for the North. Uh, I know one was an admiral in the Navy that did pretty well. And, of course, Sam Houston was very much against seceding from the Union. Pretty much, he was he was pretty much forced into kind of a seclusion by his own fellow Texans during the Civil War because he was such a rabid believer that the state of Texas should remain in the Union. But he was outnumbered in a big way. But info coming from Texas. Hopefully you like some of this history we told you today. Zachary Taylor and now this. All on the Y'all Show. We're a full service operation here, y'all. When we come back, we've got the Y'all Street Business Report coming your way. We have info that you don't want to miss out about the travel for Thanksgiving. That's ahead on the Y'all Show. Talk with us, Southern Act. This car I'm driving, I overpaid big time. It was such a f- mistake. I should have just gone to Carfax.com, but I went to some other site. They gave me a price range? Oh, they were way off. Son of a... Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report, so you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. 
The wait is finally over. Dell's biggest Black Friday ever is on. Save up to 50% on Black Friday deals, plus get free shipping on everything. With massive deals on Dell computers with 8th Gen Intel Core processors, the hottest gaming gear, and savings on top brand electronics like Samsung TVs, it's the one sale of the year you don't want to miss. Just call 800 by dell or visit dell.com slash Black Friday. Quantities are limited. Call 800 by dell for more Black Friday deals. This giving season, there's no better way to say happy holidays than with custom cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And until December 2nd, you can get special Black Friday prices with 60% off all holiday cards and calendars at vistaprint.com. Plus, save on other photo gifts. It's our best deal of the season. So get Black Friday prices with 60% off all holiday cards and calendars. Plus, save on other photo gifts at vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code RADIO60. That's vistaprint.com promo code RADIO60. Gold Bond salutes all you fixers out there. Fixers of wobbly chairs, squeaky stairs, and drippy faucets. Folks who can fix just about anything, except dry cracked hands. Whoa, that's bad. Man. Say hello to Gold Bond Cracked Skin Cream. More than a lotion, it precisely fills, soothes, and protects rough cracked fingers and knuckles. 91% said cracked skin felt smoother in one day. Yep, feeling good. Gold Bond Cracked Skin Cream. Find it at First Aid at Walgreens. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Welcome back to the Y'all Show with John Rawl. And, yeah, we know you got that turkey probably already bought. You got it ready to start cooking. Maybe you've already got it cooked. If you are, more power to you. Don't forget about all the fixings that go along with Turkey Day and all the delicious food and desserts. Oh, goodness. What a great holiday. I don't know who gets the credit. (laughs) It might have been Abraham Lincoln that created Thanksgiving. I think I'm right on that. But still... What a what a nice holiday and a holiday centered around family and friends and food and just being thankful. And isn't that a wonderful thing? Well, most of you this week will be at some point getting on the highway and going somewhere. It might be down the street. It might be halfway across the country. But AAA officials expect more than 54.3 million people will travel more than 50 miles to celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. The travel organization's estimate means about 4.8% more travelers. People will travel more compared to 2017. AAA is attributing this increase in travelers to higher wages. Plus, have you seen gas prices? Gas prices are going down. I saw in one week of being on the road in the last couple of days, prices dropping by about 20 to 30 cents. So you got people making a little bit more money. Thank you, President Trump. You also have gas prices coming down. I'll credit the president on that, too. I don't know if he's really worthy of it, but it could be. We'll go ahead and get him credit. I'm sure he's not going to deny that credit and praise. But, yeah, it's a good time to travel. So be careful. AAA defines the Thanksgiving holiday weekend as Wednesday of this week until Sunday. The organization estimates 48.5 million people will travel by vehicle 
while 4.27 million will travel by airplane, and the remaining 1.48 million people will travel by trains, buses, and cruise ships. How would you like to travel by cruise ship <laughs> for Thanksgiving? You, you got fam, family down in Bermuda somewhere, or say Bermuda down in uh, the Bahamas or Jamaica somewhere. Uh, there might be a cruise that goes to Bermuda, though. I don't want to discount Bermuda. I need to go there. I don't think I'll take a cruise ship. I'd, I'd rather go there by plane to kind of speed things up. But yeah, talking about gas prices, the national average is $2.69 per gallon. That's 13 cents higher than last year. But gas prices in places like Alabama right now at 2.43 cents, and that's 17 cents higher than the average last year. But I still feel like it's just cheaper this year or right now than, than at least it has been in the last several months. So even though it might be a little bit higher now than compared to last year, you still feel like you're saving money because of what it's been compared to recently. Well, coffee drinkers, look out for Coca-Cola as Coca-Cola has purchased the UK coffee chain Costa with a $5.1 billion acquisition. And the Atlanta-based company looks to have a little bit of a dent on the coffee drinking marketplace. And Coca-Cola says that this effort isn't necessarily to take on a giant like Starbucks, but it's a move to create a new type of coffee experience. Those are the words from Coca-Cola president and CEO James Quincy. Quincy says the coffee industry has split into three overarching parts, the ready-to-drink piece, the at-home segment, and immediate consumption at coffee shops, and that the biggest piece is in immediate consumption channels, and actually coffee shops exist. The biggest piece is the rest, and this effort is to help other customers have a store in a store and executing coffee within other people's outlets is a big opportunity for them. The $213 billion beverage maker Coca-Cola was criticized by some for paying too much for Costa, and they've got 4,000 international locations, most of them in the UK, Costa that is. Never had that coffee, not much of a coffee aficionado for sure, but Coca-Cola trying to stay relevant in coffee is a growing industry, and now with a huge acquisition of Costa from across the pond with a $5.1 billion acquisition that will lead them to, whether they want to or not, compete directly with Starbucks, at least internationally. And now Jeff Bezos, the man behind Amazon, take these words from him. I don't know exactly what he means, but he said, quote, one day Amazon will fail. But our job is to delay it as long as possible. And he told employees this in response to a question at an all-hands meeting last week, that the company is not too big to fail. Pretty good words. Remember, Amazon was not doing well for most of its history, and now they seem to have turned the tide and, and are doing quite well, frankly. Now, of course, we know from last week, that Amazon is expanding with two new headquarters locations in New York and in Northern Virginia. But Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, not afraid to tell his employees and more that the company is not too big to fail. And I love that quote. Amazon will fail, but his job is to delay that as long as possible. Pretty humbling words coming from the Texas native. Well, that's a look at the Y'all Street Business Report here on a Monday. Hopefully, yeah learned a little bit about Amazon, Coca-Cola, and traveling around Dixie. 
When we come back in hour two, we'll start things off with a look back at the sports weekend. And then we'll have the teller of tales via Takapola, Jerry Short, with his great report and his great tales of yesteryear and today. That's all ahead with the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Talk with us, Southern Accent. Herpes and L works when you have a cold sore and works when you don't. If you haven't tried this for cold sores, you're missing out. Herpes and L penetrates deep to treat cold sores. It really works. I apply it as soon as I have one. Herpes and L also protects against certain triggers caused by the sun and cold with added SPF 30 protection. I use it in the winter and in the summer to help protect against flare-ups from sun damage. Herpes and L works when you have a cold sore, works when you don't. Uses directed. Friday starts now. Get 60% off everything and 50% off clearance styles at Gap Factory. Plus, don't miss logo favorites from $9.99 and sweaters from $14.99. Save big at Gap Factory. And at Banana Republic Factory, save big with 60% off everything, including clearance. Stock up on cozy sweaters from $19.99 and outerwear from $39.99. Black Friday deals start now, only at Banana Republic Factory. Search our store locator for your nearest Gap Factory and Banana Republic Factory store or shop us online. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. (sighs) Moving expenses. There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. And welcome back to the Y'all Show, Hour 2 of the All Southern Program with your host, John Raw. we got Jerry Short in just a few minutes coming your way. And Jerry's going to talk about fun times and the United States military. And also, we have had the awful story of wildfires in the California hills and mountain areas. And Jerry's going to come by. He's a guy who has had decades of work in forestry. And he's going to talk about... Maybe not the only way to help prevent these awful fires from happening, but certainly a way to prevent and to control. It's called a control burn. And Jerry will be by a little bit later this hour to tell you all about his thoughts on short stories with the teller of tales from Takapola Way, Jerry Short. Our Twitter account here on the Y'all Show is at Y'all Show. We'd love to hear from you. Right now, we start off this hour, too, with a look around the sports weekend. And here's a name you haven't heard a whole lot of. I know he was on some Dr. Pepper commercials last year, but haven't seen him. And, and then all of a sudden, last week, we, we read a story on the Y'all Show about the great Mad Hatter himself, Les Miles, settling 
with LSU. They owed him about $9 million or so on his contract after they fired him in 2016. He ends up settling for, I think, $1.5 million because that contract was keeping him from getting another head coaching position. And over the weekend, it's announced that Les Miles will be the Kansas Jayhawks' next football coach. And a great thing, athletic director at KU, Jeff Long, made the statement. He says, Les Miles is exactly what we need in our program right now. His national reputation as a great recruiter and as a coach whose student-athletes love playing for while it will enable us to break the cycle and return a winning tradition to the Kansas Jayhawks. We are thrilled to have Les and his family as Jayhawks. Now, my thoughts on Coach Miles and his hiring at Kansas. I think it is a very good move for Kansas. I mean, Kansas can only go up. This has been an embarrassment of football program since Coach Mangino was there more than a decade and do, did wonders in Lawrence for this pseudo-Yankee college <laughs> there in, in Kansas. Uh, of course, they're Big 12, so we do we do feature the Big 12 schools here on the All Show from time to time. But, but also Les Miles being a former LSU coach. We, we do like Les, the former Michigan guy. Of course, played football there for Michigan and I thought he would end up there in Michigan before Harbaugh did, but that was not meant to be. And now he's going to be coaching the Kansas Jayhawks. So, bottom line, it's good to have Les Miles back in college football as a coach. I know he must have been really bored and was looking for a great opportunity. This, I won't say, is a great opportunity, but it's a way for him to to make a name and and make a program that's been completely forgotten about in most cases. Although a Power 5 program in Kansas for college football should be a lot of fun having him back around, even though it will be in the Big 12. Les Miles, your future head coach at the Kansas Jayhawks in Lawrence, Kansas. The Virginia Tech Hokies have scheduled a game against the Marshall Thundering Herd, and this will allow, if the Hokies win out, a chance to go to a 26-straight bowl appearance if, indeed, they win these next couple games against Virginia and then Marshall. Right now, the Hokies have a 4-6 and six record. Justin Fuente's team has had a tough year in 2018. Now, Marshall was supposed to have a game against the South Carolina Gamecocks back in September, but Hurricane Florence caused that game to be canceled, and the Gamecocks have now signed a deal with Akron, and they're playing a game against Akron next Saturday on championship Saturday in college football. The Gamecocks and Zips will be playing. And now the Hokies and the Thundering Herd from nearby Huntington, West Virginia, will be facing off with a chance for the Hokies to become bowl eligible. The Thundering Herd at 7-3 and three are already bowl eligible, and they have their last Conference USA game going on this Saturday against FIU. But the Hokies and the Thundering Herd with a game that will be played on December 1st, December 1st is when this will happen in Blacksburg, Virginia. Now, Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger has, was set for an MRI on his shoulder but x-rays have shown there's no fracture as he was hurt in the game with Iowa State, a Texas victory from the weekend. Ellinger, a sophomore who started every game for Texas this season, took a hard hit from safety Greg Eisworth from ISU on his right shoulder while trying to die for a first down in the second quarter of Saturday's game in Austin. Ellinger went to the locker room shortly thereafter for examination, and Coach Tom Herman said Ellinger has an AC contusion in his shoulder, but again, x-rays show no fracture for Sam Ellinger of the Texas Longhorns. 
good news there if you're a Horns fan. Looking at the AP poll, Alabama remains number one. They had a scare from the Citadel Bulldogs on Saturday. The Citadel from the FCS ranks had a tie game, 10-10, against Alabama in Tuscaloosa before the Tide found some energy in the third quarter and ended up winning by 33 points, but still a great performance by the Bulldogs from Charleston, South Carolina. And I was there along with my son. Had a great time. Thought we would see the biggest upset in college football history, but not quite. But at least for a half, the Citadel was just as good, if not better, than the Alabama Crimson Tide. Clemson checks in at number two in the latest AP poll. The Tigers, no surprise, at 11-0, nipping at the heels of the Crimson Tide. Notre Dame also 11-0. They're number three. Michigan's at four, followed by Georgia at five. Oklahoma's at six. The Washington State Cougars keep impressing. They moved up one. They are 10-1 and and doing well out on the West Coast. UCF moves up. They moved up three spots after a big home win over Cincinnati and a college game day experience in Orlando. The Knights now 10-0 and ranked number eight in the country. And LSU, oddly enough, has a tie with UCF in the rankings. The Tigers and Knights both at eight. Ohio State is number 10, and they are there in the top 10. They get that big game with Michigan this weekend. The Texas Longhorns, who we just mentioned of Sam Ellinger fame, are ranked number 11. They moved up after that win over the Cyclones. West Virginia dropped one at Oklahoma State, and the Nears now checking in at number 12 in the polls. The Gators are number 13. And how about the Utah State Aggies? They are 10-1. and They got another win over the weekend in dramatic form against Colorado State. And Utah State is 14 in the latest poll. Penn State's 15, followed by Washington at 16. Kentucky Wildcats moved up this week after they got a win over MTSU, and Big Blue is number 17 in the latest poll. Utah's at 18, Syracuse at 19, Northwestern 20, Boise State 21. The Dogs of Mississippi State moved up to number 22 after they throttled Arkansas over the weekend in Starkville, and the Dogs are 7-4. They've got a game Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, against the Rebel Sharks of Mississippi, that game at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium on the campus of the University of Mississippi Egg Bowl 2018 this Thursday night. Hey, congratulations to Coach Munkin and the Army Black Knights. Army, for the first time in about 20-something years, is in the AP Top 25 as Army is now 9-2 and and ranked 23rd in the country. The Pitt Panthers are 24th. They got a big win over the weekend at Wake Forest, and Pitt is your ACC Coastal Division champs in 2018. And that Iowa State football team, which lost at Texas, dropped 7 down to number 25 and the latest AP poll. Now to the NFL and scores from the weekend of NFL football. The Dallas Cowboys, boy, in dramatic form, they went into Atlanta on Sunday and got a close win over the Dirty Birds, 22-19. The Carolina Panthers went for two in Detroit and did not get the conversion. Cam Newton missed an open receiver, and the Detroit Lions escaped 20-19. to Tennessee Titans were throttled at Indy as the Colts won 38-10. The New York Giants and Eli Manning looked impressive in a win, 38-35 over Tampa Bay. The Houston Texans got a big win in Washington, 23-21. More on that game coming up in just a second as an injury has sidelined the Redskins starter for the rest of the season. The Steelers won 20-16 over Jacksonville. The Ravens topped the Bengals 24-21. Oakland with a thrilling kick to win against the Arizona Cardinals, 23-21. Similar deal with the Broncos. They got a one-point win against the L.A. Chargers, 23-22. 
The New Orleans Saints dispatched to Philadelphia, the defending Super Bowl champs, are not looking good this year with a, re- a losing record. And the Saints, who are now 9-1, and one, got a win 48-7. to seven. And that is a look at some of Sunday's action. Tonight's NFL game features the Los Angeles Rams hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, on that injury front we told you about, Alex Smith, the quarterback for the Redskins, broke two bones in his leg in the loss to the Houston Texans, and he's now going to be out for the remainder of the season. Remember, he came over from the Kansas City Chiefs. The 34-year-old broke both the fibula and tibia in his right leg on a third-quarter sack, and he's now undergone a surgery at a hospital. Colt McCoy replaced Smith and nearly led the Redskins to a comeback win, but a 63-yard field goal in the final seconds fell 10 yards short as Houston hung on to defeat Washington 23-21 there at Landover, Maryland on Sunday. Now to the world of NASCAR. Joey Logano won at Homestead on Sunday to claim the NASCAR Cup Series championship. So congratulations to Logano, who was fifth in the regular season standings, capped a strong playoff run with two wins in the last four races, and with Sunday's win, the Ford EcoBoost 400 at Homestead Miami Speedway, Logano wins, and the team Penske driver took the lead from Martin Truex Jr. with 12 laps remaining for his first win at a one-and-a-half-mile track since an October 2015 victory at Kansas. Logano, your NASCAR Cup Series champion. And that's what's going on in our Sports Blast, our Sports Rewind from Sunday's action and college football Saturday here on the Y'all Show. When we return, Jerry Short will be dropping by for a report from Takapola Way. He is going to talk about his time in the U.S. Armed Forces. Plus, he'll have his own prescription of what is needed to prevent awful wildfires across our country, most notably in California. That's up next here as we roll on with more of the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. When I have a cold sore, I want something that works. Purpose and L penetrates deep to treat your cold sore. And it's enriched with lysine, vitamins, and lemon balm for soothing relief. But even when I don't have a cold sore, I still want something that protects against a flare-up. Purpose and L protects against certain triggers caused by the sun and cold, including flare-ups from sun damage with its added SPF 30 protection. So it treats and protects. Works for me. And me too. Purpose and L. Works when you have a cold sore. Works when you don't. Uses directed. Friday starts now. Get 60% off everything and 50% off clearance styles at Gap Factory. Plus, don't miss logo favorites from $9.99 and sweaters from $14.99. Save big at Gap Factory. And at Banana Republic Factory, save big with 60% off everything, including clearance. Stock up on cozy sweaters from $19.99 and outerwear from $39.99. Black Friday deals start now, only at Banana Republic Factory. Search our store locator for your nearest Gap Factory and Banana Republic Factory store or shop us online. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. (sighs) Moving expenses. There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a 
$50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646. Welcome back to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. John Rawl back in the saddle on this Monday hour two. And we love to feature on Mondays the teller of tales from Takapola Way, Jerry Short. And we have Jerry standing by. If you want to reach out to Jerry anytime, you can do that by our phone number, 803-816-1170. Drop Jerry an email or me. I'll, we'll take it either way. And that email is y'all show, Y-A-L-L-S-H-O-W, at y'all.com. Of course, our website is y'all.com. Jerry, hope your Monday is up and going and all's well on the short front. John, everything's wonderful. I think uh, we got over this cold weather, and, and we got we had a great Veterans Week. And, uh, gosh, that brings back a lot of, a lot of memories and a lot of thoughts. You know, people usually talking on Veterans Veterans uh, Day and Veterans Week about, uh, you know, Normandy landings and uh, Black Forest and hooking up with uh, Patton. But, you know, when when people have been in the Army and they get together and they talk, I was talking to other people, and we talk about the funny stuff, really. really. And we talk about more about what maybe even happened in basic training or something. Because basic is really, if you let it, if you don't let it get to your head which they try to make it get to your head you don't let it get to your head it's really fun so you know that's where i thought i'd just throw in a few odds and ends of things that uh maybe happen in basic or just out of basic or some kind of ait training or something different you know if that's uh that's, that's acceptable yes sir it is and i'll be honest yeah. jerry I, I i have never been through the u.s military's official basic training I went through something similar to that, and some some would argue even worse than basic training after a full four years at the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina. However, but Jerry, I believe don't most people make it through basic training, no matter what branch they most the majority get through it okay. Well, well they usually get through it. What may get them will be their uh, their. Uh, assignment that they will be given as be their military occupation mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be you know when they send you off to an ait school but i know i wasn't going to even mention this but you know, i was in uh basic at fort camel kentucky and it's kind of funny but it's not really but i was at fort camel kentucky and i was the only mississippian there except one of the boys showed up and he was from mississippi and he kept coming over to the we have a what you call a zero week before you get into basic, yeah. where you do your testing and all that stuff to see what your what your job is going to be when you when you finally land with a company or or a battalion or a firing battery or whatever you go to. But anyway, um, he was from Mississippi, and he kept coming by. And then the day before we shipped out to go to basic, he come by and he said, "Well, it sure was nice meeting you, but." Uh, they're letting me out of the army. I didn't pass the test. 
and uh, I'm going home. And I wanted to ask him his secrets right quick. What kind right. of test do you think he didn't pass? Oh, you have to take all kind of uh, aptitude tests, anything from math. And, to, and whoa, whoa, whoa. You passed? But, well, I don't know. I, they may have made a mistake. That's always <laughs> a possibility. But, well, as a matter of fact, uh, the guy did say, you know, when, uh, the committee is sending you to FDC Fire Directional Control School. And he said, I really don't think you have enough math to really be going to that school. It's going to be hard on you. And I said, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute here. So putting out a fire? He said, it's not that kind of fire. you got to have asthma deflection and, and and how many powder bags or charges are going to be in the round and all this. you got to figure up through all this, through the Met and, uh, and the weather and everything else. And downrange, I said, oh, my goodness, you're right. I probably shouldn't be going to that one. But you did but, go to that one. I went to that one. Yeah, I did go to that one, and I managed to pass it. But um, I had to, I had to go to study hall a couple of times. That was in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, is where they have uh, artillery school. So anyway, I went to, I went to that one. But I did uh, keep my grades up. I, and they, they give you a test every two weeks on each section that you went through, and and I would uh, end up going over to um, to uh, to that. Okay. You know, that was back in the draft days, and, you know, they'd take a guy if he was just out of college, and everybody that went over there had were math majors, and one guy was assistant manager of Lodi, California, and the other guy was from up in – I was the only Southern in the whole group. and So it uh, that kind of helped me through. I'll put it that way. So were you so, drafted, or were you did you volunteer to go to basic? Well, a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, and, you know, that's I was in a guard unit in Louisiana that my landlady got me in, and it was a signal corps unit, and I didn't fit in down there. I, I'm telling funny stuff, not to be funny, but uh, it was a signal corps unit, and and everybody down there was either a Boudreaux or a Blanchard or an Oakway or a Thibodeau or something like that. When that when I first got into the first night, we uh, they had roll call. And I was at the back, and they went through all the names. And then when they got the short uh, t- short stories from Taco Polo name, everybody in the formation turned around and looked back. And, you know, who is this outcast? Because in those days, the war was just kicking off like in 64. And everybody was signing up trying. If they weren't in college and they weren't keeping their grades up, they were trying to uh, get in the National Guard or the Reserve somewhere. So it was a list of about two or three hundred ahead of me, and my landlady politically knew people in Louisiana. Like Louisiana's a can be a real political state. So I came in one day from work, and she said, and they were getting ready to draft me then. And she said, "You get up there, you're being sworn in the Louisiana National Guard." And I said, "I said yes, ma'am." And I guess I went up there and I didn't like that, so I uh, got out and went uh, two years. So anyway, and then came back. And I guess I must have liked it, so I stayed in the reserve another 28 years. Hmm. So uh, and did every everything from a mess sergeant to a special forces, and to airborne to ranger school. You know, just and but the hardest part of all was being a first cook. I think I think that was the hardest hardest job I ever had. But anyway, I wasn't talking about uh, that kind of funny stuff. Um, what I, I was thinking about, like in basic. And then one night, 
um, we're out on infiltration course, and that's where they have this TNT uh, inside these sandbags, and they blow up, and then they got tracer rounds that they shoot over you, and you low crawl about 100 yards with your weapon, and we had M1, not M1s, we went had M14s then, and they're pretty heavy weapon. It's not like an M16. And I was going through that thing that night, and I turned over, and I, I um, tore a little bitty spot on my pants, but not much. And, and um, make a long story short, um, I would take my weapon. I was, I, I guess I was out in left field even then, and I would throw my weapon ahead of me, and then I would roll and it'd shoot flares up, and those tracers go across. I'd roll up and catch up with my weapon. And my drill sergeant, Sergeant Ziegler, he came up behind me. And, he started kicking me in the feet and telling me, move on, move on, move on, move on. So I crawled real fast and got up and got out and was standing and he got to come out. He said, was that you? I was hitting on the boots. And I said, no, just Sergeant." And uh, he said, hmm, I think it was. So we were standing there in formation and he said, what happened to, I was a squad leader and I was on the first, first squad left side and I was standing there. And he said, uh, hmm, what happened to those pants? They tore. And I said, Yes, I think they was torn. Uh, yes, yes, drill sergeant. I think they were torn. Um, maybe a couple of weeks ago or something. And he said, "Hmm, not taking any better care of your uh, GI issue." Hmm. He says, "Uh, I tell you what, I want you to do. You got a you got a sewing kit. I want those things sewed up." And he said, "No, I tell you, I got." And he reached, he took his finger, and he tore a long hole down my thigh, front of my thigh, in my pants. And he and we had a lot of. In Fort Camel, they had a lot of little white rocks everywhere. And he said, uh, fill, it, fill it, uh, those pants up with that right leg with uh, these white rocks. And I want you to take them in tonight to the barracks, and I want you to count them, clean them outside. Had a little, and it was in the winter, it's cold. He says, I want you to uh, clean them and count them and tell me how many you had in it. I want to put them in your, uh, your footlocker and tell me tomorrow morning how many you had. And so I said, uh, Yes, Mr. Sergeant. So we'll get over And I said, man, there's no way I can do this. I had thousands, three, four thousand. Well, before they did that, he said, you're not filling up fast enough. Undo your pants. Then he got the two guys standing behind me to come up and they took uh, their helmet liners and they dumped rocks all down in there. So I had a solid leg full of rocks. And uh, <laughs> I put them in my foot locker the next morning inspection after chow. He comes by and he says, um, hmm, how many rocks? And I threw him some, 4,444. And he looked at me and said, you sure? And I said, yes, Sergeant. 4,444? I said, yes, yes, Sergeant. It's a mighty even number. I said, yes, Sergeant. I thought that was odd, too. So so anyway, he said, well, he said, it's so odd. What I want you to do tonight, I want you to go outside by that water fountain. And I want you to make a sidewalk, bring it back around to the front with those rocks. And so I had to go to that next night and do that. You know, it's things like that that, you know, and everybody laughing at me and thinking, oh, that's funny, 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 you know, because I had to do that. But everybody got their turn at something crazy like that. Some were worse, some were better. You know, it was other things that, uh, you know, go all the way back to blanket parties. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, I have. Okay. We had a platoon guy that I knew. And, uh, he was from uh, Mississippi, but he was in a different uh, company. And uh, we, we were at we the PX the sixth week or seventh week, getting brass over and stuff, getting ready to 
graduate hopefully in another couple of weeks from uh, basic and his uh he carried me over to his barracks since he was platoon guy and we went upstairs and he had his men he called them his men were brass sewing all his brass and they were spit shining his dang cochran jump boots he went and bought a special pair so his boots would look better than everybody else and they was putting a spit shine on them and uh so i would cut back over to the px and his guys told me he said when we fly out of here next week, take a look at him. We're going to blanket party. That it. That's ours. Oh, God. All right. So we get over. We're down there waiting on a world. It was World Airline. I'll never get them. They come in first girls we'd seen. It's security. So they landed. They were going to fly us to Oklahoma City, and then we we're going to bust to Port Seal, Oklahoma. But um, when he, uh, uh, I saw him, and he looked like he'd been beat up with a baseball bat. And I said, golly, Robert, what happened to you, man? Oh, the drill sergeant likes me so much. He wanted to go out and party my last night here. So we went out and party and then saw some of his guys over there. Tell him the truth. And uh, he said, I am telling the truth. And uh, yeah, they told me later that they had caught him coming out of the shower and wrapped, wrapped those old wool uh, army issued blankets around him. Everybody took a lick. They beat that poor boy to a pulp. So, you know, things like that happen in basic, you don't really get out. Yeah. And like you were saying about people, you know, most of, most of the time, most everybody graduates, you know, every now and then you'll have a good boy, they'll grow off the deep end. Luckily, I was in good physical shape, and I won the physical fitness uh, training uh, test. And and so I, I could run really good. and we had a boy. We, we were. It was alphabetical. So we were the. We were the fourth platoon, and in, um, in the company, and uh, this boy uh, would fall back and fall out. So we gave him away. I had to get back and run with. Him. The drill sergeant Ziegler would tell me, "Drop out and go back and carry, carry, carry." So I'd carry him and pull him all night. We'd run. We'd be out running at night because there was an airborne unit, and. Uh, they wanted us to be tougher than the rest of the units. And people would be hanging out of barracks at Fort Camel and we'd be running and Reed would be falling behind and I'd be back there pulling him. And anyway, we gave him away. We gave him to the first platoon and had a kind of a song that don't go very well. It was a hymn. It was him, him, and we gave it all this stuff away. And, and then, uh, the next night running, he, he falls all the way back from the first platoon to the second to the third. And then there's Ziegler saying, okay, short, go get him. Run with him. You still got him. And he had like a fake suicidal heart attack. And he said he overdosed and he said he had a heart attack. And and he went off the deep end and I never knew what happened to him again. He lived through it. Hamlet's coming, got him out of the barracks. But you'll have those kind of people. You know, and I've heard of them uh, on the rifle range uh, killing their self, you know, um, at Fort Campbell. Yeah. And didn't see that personally. Yeah. I saw one go nuts that they had to take his weapon away from him. So you'd have people that would, you know, back in those days, you get somebody from the inner city of uh, Indianapolis or Chicago or somewhere, and they didn't know anything about life as we did growing up on the farm. They didn't have taco polo stories to tell. You. So, <laughs> poor, so, poor, poor souls. Yeah, Jerry. And then, okay. mm, 
Uh, I was go- just going to say one other little thing. It was, and this is kind of funny. Uh, we were, and it won't last long. We were uh, out at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and I had gone AWOL and brought my car out there back, and I had it out there. So I was downtown on a break and uh, had to leave. And these two Indian girls, that, me and these two boys were trying to pick up. We pulled up beside them, and I just couldn't see the back of their car. And I kept trying to talk to them, and I said, y'all want to go riding? Y'all want to do this? Y'all want to do this? And all we'd get was, go on, leave us alone. Go on, leave us alone. And, and finally, a girl, Indian girl driving said, pull up and look at my bumper. And I pulled up, and I looked back at a bumper, and she had a bumper sticker that said, Custer got what the H-E-L-L he deserved. So wow. <laughs> I knew then that they didn't want to deal with any, any of us white guys from – from Fort from Fort Seal. So anyway, you know, it was a lot of things like that would happen. Wow. And you could just go on all day talking about yeah. crazy stuff like that. We're talking with Jerry Short, Teller Tales from Takapola here on the Y'all Show. Some stories from his days in uniform. When we come back, Jerry, after the days in uniform and throughout your time in the reserves also, you went all over the southeast hanging out in the woods for a practical reason. It was part of your profession. And we're going to get your take as being a forester on what's going on in California, which will that also apply to the South with forest fires and the prevention of such horrible tragedy that we've seen in California last week. That's ahead on the Y'all Show with John Rawls. Stay with us. This car I'm driving, I overpaid big time. It was such a mistake. I should have just gone to Carfax.com, but I went to some other site. They gave me a price range? Oh, they were way off. Son of a... Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report, so you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. The wait is finally over. Dell's biggest Black Friday ever is on. Save up to 50% on Black Friday deals, plus get free shipping on everything. With massive deals on Dell computers with 8th-gen Intel Core processors, the hottest gaming gear, and savings on top-brand electronics like Samsung TVs, it's the one sale of the year you don't want to miss. Just call 800-BY-DELL or visit dell.com slash Black Friday. Quantities are limited. Call 800-BY-DELL for more Black Friday deals. This giving season, there's no better way to say happy holidays than with custom cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And until December 2nd, you can get special Black Friday prices with 60% off all holiday cards and calendars at Vistaprint.com. Plus, save on other photo gifts. It's our best deal of the season. So get Black Friday prices with 60% off all holiday cards and calendars. Plus, save on other photo gifts at Vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code RADIO60. That's Vistaprint.com promo code RADIO60. Gold Bond salutes all you fixers out there. Fixers of wobbly chairs, squeaky stairs, and drippy faucets. Folks who can fix just about anything, except dry cracked hands. Whoa, that's bad. Man. Say hello to Gold Bond Crack Skin Cream. More than a lotion, it precisely fills, soothes, and protects rough cracked fingers and knuckles. 91% said cracked skin felt smoother in one day. Yep, feeling good. Gold Bond Crack Skin Cream. Find it at First Aid at Walgreens.
We're back here on the Y'all Show on this Monday edition, wrapping up our show for today. And we're talking with Jerry Short right now, the teller of tales from Tuckapola Way. And Jerry, for most of his professional career, has been in the woods. And now we've got him out of the woods doing radio. But prior to the Y'all Show and other endeavors that he's been a part of, Jerry did all kind of cruising of timber throughout the southeast. And he knows a lot about that industry. And Jerry, that's why we know from what's happened out in California in the last week or so with the horrible wildfires and the loss of life and property and everything else, which a, what a disaster. I just wanted to get your take on what Jerry Short would do differently. I know the president was asked over the weekend his opinion. He mentioned Norway or something like that in his response. But what is your opinion on how to prevent such forest fires in the future? John, they're going to have, I mean, it's no question, no matter what's causing it, no matter what the reasons are, without control burning, I don't care if they just burn 10 acres every year and get that uh, fuel that comes from the uh, leaves that fall on the ground and accumulate. If they don't back burn that stuff, they're building up such dang fuel. You know, people think, uh, you know, this climate control and, and climate change, as they like to say now, but at one time it wasn't climate change, you know, it was something else, and it was something else, it was something else. But about five percent of that uh, is uh, um, caused probably by mm, bad bad management, people in t- a town, people moving, people building. I, I kind of equate it to a situation like people that live in the in the path of a hurricane. They're doing that in California around Malibu, and I've been to Paradise and I've been to Malibu. And both places, Paradise is it's on up above uh, San Francisco off I 101, and then Malibu's on 101 down there too. And of at Malibu, the richer, richer sect of people, they're moving in there and they're not controlling the, those mountains at all. It's mountainous where the Pacific meets it there at Malibu just north of Malibu. And so they're, they're building up a big, big, heavy uh, fuel base underneath uh, uh, underneath their houses and everywhere because their houses are built on kind of stilts, some of them even. You know, they go down maybe 50 feet to tie into a rock. So, you know, you just can't build in the path of a doggone forest fire it's coming your way. Now, human causes probably 75% of the fire. And that could be from a camping out or something like that. But it couldn't happen if you didn't have all that fuel on the ground. And you know how Californians are. They, they you know, they, they want to protect a field mouse. Say. And I know they do that. And that's one reason that uh, a field mouse in that area there north of L.A., like you're going up to San Bernardino and going on up to Barstow, they can't burn in there because of uh, a field mouse. And they let that uh, fuel accumulate on the ground. And when those Santa Ana winds come in there, they blow in and they blow in in both directions. And the wind will be whirling and spinning. And it, it creates like a, 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 a tornado. It's a fire nader. I think they refer to it sometime out there. Like a tornado, a fire nader. And, uh, it's the same thing that where the houses are, and, it, and all these houses are right in the past, just like you were on the coast at uh, Florida or or 
or the Panhandle of Florida or Biloxi has been wiped out of many a time or, or Houston, Texas or somewhere like that. They just build right in the bad places and doing the same thing for fires, which it makes it seem like it's a lot worse. But my, th- my thinking is that the only way they're going to ever stop this thing, the people have got to stop these, these flank- moving into these highly flammable places. You know, in a building where these fires come into it and a, a line of fire comes through there, there's nothing they can do. You know, you saw where they tried to evacuate and they had to get out of their cars and they burned up. Well, they're going to have to come with some retreat zones like you have for, you know, how hurricanes are. You live in hurricane country and you got a hurricane, you know, you go in and they stop the traffic coming one way and you go out the other way. They're going to have to do the same thing for fires because. It's only going to continually get worse if they don't have land management and land management consists of forest management. Now I had a building that I was really proud of. It was a tower. I called it. And it was about 75 feet tall. And the person that owned land behind me, he had pine trees back there and he never had a control burn under his pine trees and pine needles had accumulated a foot deep. And somebody dropped a match back there hunting one day uh, on the land behind my land where my tower was that I had considerably amount of money in and it was finished. And I really had decks and I overlooking a big reservoir come at Corlake and I planned on living in it someday. But that fire got out and when it got out, it, it was no stopping it. Me and my grandson was on other property trying to stop that fire, and it's the same thing they got. We, wind would pick up at night. Nothing like 60 and 70 mile an hour Santa Ana winds. Something like 15 and 20 miles, and you can't hour, you can't stop that hardly. We didn't have anything to fight it with, but say break a pine top and use a pine top to try to bite it and, and flap it down. And we didn't have anything else with us. And we fought it for two or three hours till it got to that uh, – building and burned it up so i lost the building the same way and so i know exactly what could cause it if if they hadn't had if it hadn't had that much fuel that many pine needles and straws laying on the ground we would have been able to control it jerry what is a control burn how do you keep a control burn from getting out of control well first thing you got to do you got to go ahead and say let's just work with the 40 acres to make it really simple and you're going to go with the 40 acres and you're going to take a fire plow with a disc and a dozer and, and go around. It's a quarter of a mile square, 40 acres is, okay? So you go all the way around at 40 acres. You go, you go say you do a south line, you run it, it's a quarter of a mile. Then you go, uh, if you go south, then you're going to go the northwest line. Up. That's another quarter of a mile. And so back across and then back down and tie in where you started. So you've got that contained, that 40 acres is contained. And you wait for that wind, whichever way that wind is blowing that day. And, you know, you, you try to make sure you've got it all under control. You've got enough people there. You've got a dozer with, on standby. And you've got a few men on standby. You may have a water truck on standby. And you go ahead with fire uh, torches that you've seen them using, I'm sure. Well, I guess on television they use them when they're putting out these fires. When these smoke jumpers jump in, they'll take a fire torch with fuel in it. And you go ahead and light one of that line, and it, hopefully the wind will just be moving at about five miles an hour and back it across it all the way to that north line. 
and it's not going to spread and jump on the east or the west because you got you got fire lanes there and they've been disked up and taken care of. So if you couldn't do 40 acres, cut it in half and do 20. Uh, so uh, do a 20 acre block. Or if I have burned as many as uh, a section, which is 640 acres, when I was working for this company I worked for. And we would have to, you know, do that. But we had, we had three or four dozers on standby. We had, you know, stuff like that. We had about seven or eight, ten men on standby to go in there and control it. And if it gets too hot, and then we would put fire lanes across the middle to uh, slow slow the speed down if it did get too hot or if it started up a high embankment. So that's the only way you're going to be able to do it is to do something similar to that. And they're going to have to do it in California, and they're going to have to quit. Yeah. You know. They have to quit building in these places until they get it where it's hadn't got that kind of fuel. It's just so flammable. Lightning strikes cost about uh, probably 20% of the fires. Yeah, Jerry, is the South similar in a, in a way that it could be just as flammable as California? Any parts of our South that's more dangerous oh, than others? Yeah, it, it, it would be. It definitely would be if we did not control it. So we can control can, burning all of our national forests in the Southeast? Yeah, they control burning. Uh, they uh, they do, and they know to do it. And uh, it's it's California mainly. It just won't let them do it. Now they control burn. I know you've been through the national forest between Oxford and Grenada. So they burn out. Well, you go through all those heavy pine areas down there. They burn before you get to the Grenada County line. You're familiar with that, I think. But anyway, as you go through there. They burn that every two years at least and don't let the fuel get up. And um, you ju- you've just got to control it like that. If you don't, it's going to get away. What I was going to say about an example of how nature is always with lightning strikes and dry area, you know, they've always, it's always started a many, a many a forest fire. But south of, uh, well, it'd be over in your area. You're familiar with the different type pines. There's a loblolly and there's a short leaf and there's a long leaf. Well, a long leaf pine is more resistant to fire than a loblolly or a short leaf. And the reason being is in that flatter land off of the coastal area, when you start getting up into drier, sandier area that grows, uh, the soil may not be quite as dang conducive for a loblolly pine or a short-leaf pine because it may be you know it just may not be as rich so they've always just grown naturally they're a long-leaf pine but one thing about them they had so many fires before before we ever came over here before columbus discovered the indians were in america you know before that ever happened they would have lightning and it would burn and those trees they evolved their self naturally into a protection against fire. Their bark, a fire can go straight through a loblolly, I mean, excuse me, a longleaf forest stand, and it would not burn it completely up. The same fire, the same speed going through a loblolly one would kill every pine tree in it probably. But that, that longleaf pine has developed a hardness against uh, fire resistance. So it did that on its own self with nature from years and years and years of being in that area. And that area would spread anywhere from 
the Carolinas around to the uh, handle of Florida across Mississippi. So anyway, that's uh, that's something to think about. Yeah. Well, this is the Y'all Show, and if you haven't by now, go ahead and fill out your application, and we'll send you a certification for being an official forester. Thanks to Jerry Short, the teller of tales from Tagabala. You know your forestry. Well, uh, we, I know a little bit of management. <laughs> when you when you got to make a got to make fifty cents, you have to work sometimes. <laughs> well, anyway. we we hope our friends in California get that resolved as fast as possible. The loss of life will hopefully be curtailed, and those missing will come back around. And well, see that that loss of life is something like I was saying earlier. They they just got to quit building in those in those fire paths like they do, and just same thing as a hurricane, you know. They've put a lot more restrictions on the type dwelling that you build now along the Gulf Coast or along the along the East Coast because of hurricanes. And they're gonna to have to do the same thing with this fire stuff. And uh it can be done without all this uh bickering and fighting over cli- climate change and all that. Yeah, you know, we're not gonna be able to do anything about this climate change. So we can get on the ground and do something. Very good. Jerry Short, tell of tales from Takapola. Thank you, sir. You are most welcome. Hope that's a little bit helpful. Yes, very helpful. And again, I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to my forestry degree hanging on the wall here at the Y'all Studios. Well, that will conclude our Monday show. Join us on Tuesday. We've got the barrister of Bodacious Barbecue stopping by with a brand new report. Plus, it'll be sports land yap time on Tuesday. And we'll look back at the weekend and we'll look at the rankings and such it's all coming on the tuesday show the y'all show talk with a southern accent with your host john rawl thanks for listening herpes and l works when you have a cold sore and works when you don't If you haven't tried this for cold sores, you're missing out. Purpose and L penetrates deep to treat cold sores. It really works. I apply it as soon as I have one. Purpose and L also protects against certain triggers caused by the sun and cold with added SPF 30 protection. I use it in the winter and in the summer to help protect against flare-ups from sun damage. Purpose and L works when you have a cold sore, works when you don't. Uses directed. Friday starts now. Get 60% off everything and 50% off clearance styles at Gap Factory. Plus, don't miss logo favorites from $9.99 and sweaters from $14.99. Save big at Gap Factory. And at Banana Republic Factory, save big with 60% off everything, including clearance. Stock up on cozy sweaters from $19.99 and outerwear from $39.99. Black Friday deals start now, only at Banana Republic Factory. Search our store locator for your nearest Gap Factory and Banana Republic Factory store or shop us online. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. <sighs> Moving expenses. <sighs> There's a million ways to get into credit card debt, but one sure way to start getting out. Avant. Avant offers access to online unsecured loans from $2,000 to $35,000 at competitive rates and no extra charges for paying back early. Over 500,000 customers have experienced the convenience of a loan through Avant. No wonder Avant has an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. The application takes minutes, and if approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, funds are deposited as soon as the next business day. And now Avant will also give you a 
$50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T.com, promo code 4646. Avant.com, code 4646.